love menopause and perimenopause because it is one of the major lifetimes where I feel like I can inject women with information and then they leave the office feeling like jazzed and excited about what's to come. Welcome back to Off the Ground, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hi, guys. Do you want me to do that again, Jam? I goofed a little. No, and I don't know why when I initially wrote this intro, I had to make it such a damn tongue twister, but you know what? Is we I prevail. feel that we prevail. <laughs> I loved every minute of it. Okay, good. Okay, good. well, so once again, we're a small but mighty crew because you know, four people and kids and schedules. So it's me and Megan. It's the Jamie and Woo-woo! Megan show once again. I love it. So real quick, I'm gonna get right into our guest and who she is because she is fabulous. So Dr. Camila Phillips is a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist, wife, mother, and lifelong women's health advocate. She runs Cala Women's Health, a practice on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, aimed to educate, empower, and inspire women at every stage of life, providing individualized, non-judgmental, and evidence-based health care. Dr. Phillips has done a tremendous amount of important work around race as it pertains to feminine health, including shedding a bright light on the history of racism in gynecology. Dr. Phillips is an educator, mentor, and expert in women's health issues. She loves to help women and girls feel comfortable with their bodies so they can be aware of changes and new developments. And I'm sorry, I have to mention this. My favorite part of your bio was definitely that your guilty pleasure includes reality TV. (laughs) Why do I mention this? Because a fun and little known fact that has absolutely nothing to do with today's topic, but I'm moderately obsessed with, is that Camila was a cast member on The Real World Boston. So I (laughs) definitely watched that and didn't even realize that I was an even bigger fan of yours than I thought I was like, six hours ago. So I'm just like doing my little bow down because I'm the biggest real world fan. Thank you. So am I. (laughs) Bringing it back to today, you can follow her on the gram at Dr. Camila says, but in the meantime, let's welcome her to the show. Yay! Round of applause. Thank you. Round of applause. Well, so we always kind of start the show with just a little weekly catch up and you are welcome to chime in because our catch up topic today, given that it's right before Thanksgiving is ladies, do you have a favorite Thanksgiving dish and or tradition? Mm. You can go first. You know, I've gotten lazy over the years (laughs) and my favorite Thanksgiving tradition is like not participating in the holiday. That's my thing now. (laughs) I'm here for it. Take out. Yes. Like my husband has taken over the holiday I invite him to do everything that he wants to do. I like to stand there. It's a little snobby, but I like to just, you know, peek over his shoulder and make sure he's doing things the way I want them done. Not that I necessarily want to do them myself, but I just sit back and watch TV and figure out when stores, well, I guess that was last year, figure out when the stores were going to open. And I wait to be waited upon. That's my I new job for him. Yeah. He just gets to be bossed around and 
a weight on your every win. And then you get to eat yeah, turkey. And be thankful for me. <laughs> that was amazing. That was amazing. Megan, how about you? So we have a sort of a quirky family tradition. When my father was alive, he would hide scratch-off lottery tickets under all of our plates. And then you would go around the table, you would say what you were thankful for, you'd scratch your lottery ticket and reveal whether you were a winner or a wiener. I don't know why that that was his thing. Are you a winner or a wiener? And there were 19 of us and you'd ultimately have one of the grandchildren crying because you'd have a little boy have to go, I'm a wiener. (laughs) Um, And it's a tradition, my dad will be gone five years, but it's a tradition that we've carried on through every holiday and you will always find scratch off lottery tickets under the plates in this house. Did anyone ever win big? We've never won really big, like, you know, like 20 bucks, two bucks, five bucks. I mean, just not having to call yourself a wiener was always sort of winning, <laughs> whether it was a buck or a free ticket, right? right. I mean, but you're, we nev- we've never in the history of, of, of the tradition had a big winner. So maybe we're poised to just like have that holy moly $100,000 prize at some point, and then we just all go on vacation. This is your year. Mm. I can feel it I feel in my like bones. It, it has to I be feel it happening. <laughs> um, okay. So for me, usually I go to my mom's house in Connecticut, which is really, really nice. We just get, you know, all the family together and she does like such a beautiful job. So Camila, my mom is Joan London. So she has like definitely a bit of like Martha Stewart vibes in her. Like she loves a tablescape. Like Joni Baloney loves a tablescape. Oh. <laughs> And I'm telling you, she usually sets the table, like she'll have it set up in like, no joke, like August. Like she sets it up so early. She gets so excited. So this year we've all committed not to get together just to be safe. Um, We really miss our family, but we just feel like better safe than sorry. So um, we're doing it here at our house, uh, you know, just with our, our kiddos. And I was talking to my husband and I'm like, what we're plant-based. I'm like, what if, what are we going to do for Thanksgiving? Like, how are we going to do this? <laughs> but we're going to make some really beautiful, we're going to pick some great like root vegetables and just do some really lovely roasted vegetable dishes. And I think it's going to be really, really fun. Um, and Jamie, I have 900 crafts for you too, by the way. I was I have just like about 900 say, crafts. <laughs> now that I'm in a home, like my inner Martha Stewart came out. Like, it's dude, like I have, oh yeah. I have gourds and mums on my front step yes. and a court, like a, a, a corn stalk. Like the, like what, who am I? I love this No, I'm here for it. I'm yeah. here for all of that. Yeah, yeah I love do it. it and then also one other thing was my kids started making this thing on the wall where they, it's like a, a turkey body out of construction paper that they taped up. And then every day they put a couple new feathers on the butt uh, with one thing that they're thankful for. And they watch the Aww. plumage grow as we get closer to the day. So that was something that actually our nanny introduced. And I had never heard of that tradition before. And I really like that. So we're going to carry that on. Yeah, I, think I like that. Year. Yeah. I like that. Really I nice. used to be that hardcore, like Martha Stewart type with my tablescape. I'm always down for a tablescape. And I think I just burnt myself out. So, you know, it's a lot of pressure. It's I a lot. That. It's a lot of pressure. It is. I basically did New Year's and Christmas and then took it back to Thanksgiving because I work for Woman's Day magazine and I do a lot of TV segments and I had to like fast forward and then rewind and that kind of actually made me appreciate being in the moment of Thanksgiving again. Cause I'm like, at least it's not Christmas and new year. <laughs> right. You've done all the crafts. Oh my God. All the crafts. You got to teach me your ways. You and 
You and Christine, Megan, you guys are like the DIY queen. It's like stress relief for me. I love, I, I love, love a good her. project. I I'm do. Getting there. I do. I'm starting I do. to become an actual grown up woman. And coincidentally, that is what we are talking about today. Yay. So why don't I use that as my segue and jump right? And Megan can jump I'm going right to jump into in. the topic. Okay. So here we are in our 40s. I just turned 45 and there's no shame in my game. Congrats. And we know not, like, not all of our listeners are there, but some of you are, and the rest of you will be. So we wanted to chat about an often taboo topic, which shouldn't be perimenopause. First of all, what is it? Is it the same thing as menopause? How do we know when we're there? What's going to happen to us? Can we slow it down its onset? And maybe equally as important, why don't more women talk about this stuff with each other? Many women have, seem to think that like admitting or vocalizing our aging process is somehow embarrassing, that, that it signals a time when we're inching toward being less sexy or desirable, when the reality is that 90% of the women we speak to say they've never felt sexier or more empowered as a woman than they do in their 40s. So why does perimenopause give us such pause pause that's right a i love line. that's so jamie dr phillips <laughs> please help us unpack this topic and figure out what the heck is going on with our ever-changing bods yes so you know i love menopause and perimenopause because it is one of the major lifetimes where i feel like i can inject women with information and then they leave the office feeling like jazzed and excited about what's to come. But in a nutshell, perimenopause is literally the time around menopause. So it's the first few years leading up to menopause, which is your last menstrual period. Um, women often notice the first symptoms as being a change in your period. So your period can start to skip, the interval become a little shorter, a little longer. Um, every now and then people start to complain of hot flashes, which is what we hear a lot about in the media, right? Hot flashes, hot flashes, hot flashes. But really most women start um, experiencing perimenopause by having longer periods. And longer periods, meaning like the duration. So for instead of like four days, it lasts for seven days. I had one that lasted 14 days. I'm like, somebody give me an iron supplement. What the hell's going on? Exactly. So we don't like 14 days, but it, it it's all of that, right? So it can be the duration, say your period was seven days. We'll just use that as the standard. Sometimes women bleed for four days and they're like, what's going on? I'm a seven day bleeder. I don't like this. Or sometimes they can bleed a little longer. And in general, my rule to women is lighter periods, shorter periods, or more spacing in between your periods is okay. Heavier, longer, or really close periods, like you're having periods every two weeks, not so great. You should definitely check in with your doctor. And because that's a sign of what? So it can completely be a sign of perimenopause, but like you just said, 
you're like, where are my iron supplements? I'm starting to get lightheaded, feel a little crappy. And it's just kind of not fun to be bleeding for 14 days, right? Mm -hmm. That's not what you're accustomed to and nor should we be accustomed to it. And so it can be a sign of um, a change. Worst case scenario, which doesn't happen often, but worst case scenario can be a sign of an early cancer. So we really want to get that checked out. Uh, But on the lighter side, over time, it can make you anemic, which means you have low iron and you don't feel great. You're not at 100 percent functioning. And so no one no one does well when, you know, you're bleeding for 14 days and you're not at 100 percent. But it also can be a sign of um, hormonal changes. We want to make sure your thyroid is on point. These, you know, these are things that you shouldn't just overlook and chalk up. So what causes the onset of it? Like, why do some people experience it sooner than others? Does the, when you got your period initially, is it in, during puberty matter? Like what causes it to start? So, you know, some of it's genetic, right? We can often look at our moms or our sisters. Okay. I'm Irish yeah. and my mom's like, I don't know what you're talking about. We don't talk about those things. We I don't no talk about this when thing. I got my period. Like, why are you asking me these uncomfortable questions? <laughs> I guarantee you your mom went through menopause. She needs to stop that. <laughs> oh, she has. But like when I try to like make her think back to the good old days when she probably got her period, like in eighth grade or this grade or like any kind of those historical questions, she's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't oh, know. I love that. I love that. So, you know, there's so many things. One, we need to teach menopause in high school health. Like we teach everything else. Right, right? on. I'm with you on that front. Yeah. I'm totally down with that because as sure as you're going to get your period, you're going to lose it eventually. So why aren't we prepping our young people from an early age to understand that menopause, you know, God willing, you're lucky enough to live long enough is a normal part of life and a normal part of transition. I think it's also really helpful because most of us happen to grow up with women in our lives. So when our moms and aunts and cousins are experiencing this change instead of having them like, you know, fanning uncontrollably sweating. And it's like this really uncomfortable thing. Let's give them a space to talk about what's going on instead Mm -hmm. of being it shrouded in all this like secrecy and change. And so we don't clearly know what is the trigger for menopause. We just know what the major hormonal markers are. And basically that's a decrease in your estrogen. And so that causes some of the major symptoms that people experience. And we often look to our moms, our grandmas, our aunts and our uncles, I almost said uncles, Lord, forgive me, our aunts and our cousins to (laughs) kind of have an idea of when it might start for us. Of course, if women have surgery, uh, chemotherapy, radiation, other factors that can start their menopause earlier than it would if it was uh, natural. But does everyone have perimenopause? Like, is that, is that a prerequisite to menopause or can you just be like, bam, I woke up with menopause? You know, most people have perimenopause because like by definition, it is the time leading up to your last period. It's how you experience it. That's totally different. And everyone um, has a different experience. Some women, typically Asian women, for example, the research shows us that their symptoms or their experience of perimenopause isn't as bad, traumatic, remarkable 
as maybe a white woman's or an African-American woman's. Some That's fascinating. Really interesting. And it's really unclear if it's diet, if it's culture, what it is exactly. Uh, for example, larger women. So if you're a little bit more heavy set, you might have more intense symptoms of menopause than, or perimenopause than like a normal weight person. Um, Latinas, one of the menopause, uh, signs of menopause can be mental distress and even depression. They report that greater than African-American and white women. So everyone experiences this di- differently. And so again, by definition, all of us have perimenopause. It's just how you experience it can be different. So are things like, okay, my metabolism's dipping and I'm gaining weight and maybe my skin breaks out more. Are those kind of tied to perimenopause because they're slightly related to estrogen fluctuations? People can, can report that. And so as we enter perimenopause, it's one of the tools I try and give um, women is that it's sort of mixed, you know, as we get older, our metabolism changes. What is causing our metabolism to change? Uh, is it strictly estrogen? I don't think so. It's, is it a part of it? Probably. But that is one of the really key parts that we start discussing as women are entering perimenopause because that metabolism, I tell them, girl, it's about to change on you. And, you know, we were at a point where you could, you know, just restrict, okay, I'm going to take off carbs for a little bit, lose those three to five pounds that you needed to, to get into that drink. I mean, Camila, can we talk? I mean, how old are you? Do you like to talk I'm about 40, your age? No, I'm 43. 43. Okay. So 45, all the shit starts to happen. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy pants. And I feel like I don't want to be alone in this. So I, I mean, I can't stop talking about all the changes because I'm like, so somebody's got to talk about this crap. Someone has to talk about it. Well, why don't people talk about it? It's so crazy. And I really do think that it's, you know, women are just obviously so encouraged to always stay, you know, young and sexy and desirable. And, you know, I I don't know if men struggle with talking about aging quite as much because, you know, there's something distinguished about it for them when women, it's like we're past our sell-by date somehow. I think it is so damaging for women not to talk about this with each other and for mothers not to talk about Mm -hmm. it with their, Mm -hmm. with their daughters, right? Because it really, really needs to be normalized. And it is one of those things that sneaks up on you. And then you have no idea what to do. So let me ask you this. Is there something that people should be doing that women should be doing in their late thirties or early forties that could help lessen the effects? Should we be taking estrogen supplements? It's funny you mention that because I literally was with a girlfriend um, this week and she went through uh, what we call uh, uh, ovarian insufficiency. So she experienced menopausal symptoms in her early 40s. And watching her go through that, I was like, the second I get, I've had like three hot flashes so far. The second I get, get to five hot flashes, I think I'm going on estrogen because I just, I... I want to feel good. Um, the estrogen part is really controversial and it, it depends. I am a huge fan of hormones. I'm a huge fan of hormones. And one of the reasons is because I see what hormone like supplementation does for women. And during the women's health trial, this was, I want to say it was in the two thousands. I don't remember exactly, but it was a huge trial thousands of women, um, 
what came out of that is hormone treatment got a really bad rap. And so all of these women ditched their hormones, were suffering, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, and everyone was like anti-estrogen. Let's not do this. Once we started to really look at the data, we saw that estrogen played a really important role for women going through perimenopause and early menopause. And so I'm a fan of hormones for the appropriate candidates. And in general, it's people who are under age 60 or who are within the first 10 years of their menopause. And obviously there's other little caveats. Like my mom had, we both have moms who have had breast cancer. Yeah. So would we, we would probably stay away from something like that. Exactly. So that's exactly, that's one of those caveats. And so I think that it should be a really, um, it's a really important discussion for people to have with their doctors, because to your point about breast cancer, there are a lot of our treatments that sort of compound um, the effects of your condition, right? So women who have breast cancer, they're on these anti-estrogens as part of their treatment, which are absolutely appropriate. You should take your medicine. But sometimes it makes us feel a little uncomfortable in the lady parts and mm, can cause like dryness. dryness, can cause significant vaginal dryness. So what, so what do I see happen? They start to avoid intimacy, right? Because it hurts. I don't want to do that. Relationship issues start and it's this like thing. And some women, even with breast cancer, again, please, please, please talk to your doctor. But I, I have a, a group of young women who are cancer survivors and their treatments have left them in menopause. At 23, you want to be able to enjoy your vagina. And so working closely with their oncologists, we are actually giving them vaginal estrogen because that it, it helps them and it revolutionizes their sense of self, how they feel about themselves, their intimacy. And so there's a role for it if you are the proper person. So just talk to your doctor about it. Can we discuss the whole dryness thing? And I'm hoping my kids aren't outside the door right now. <laughs> oh um, my God. But it's so it's a big deal. So the dryness that's so I haven't experienced that yet. And I hope my mother-in-law is listening uh, as well. But <laughs> so that's a product of perimenopause. And that's also a product of menopause because that is deals with the estrogen fluctuations. Yes, ma'am. And why is that? Yes, why ma'am. does like no estrogen make you dried up? Okay. Because you know, estrogen is everywhere, honey, everywhere. Any part of your body that you look, you'll probably find some estrogen receptors, but guess what? The vulva. And so that's, you know, clitoris, urethra, inner, outer labia, vagina, that area is so rich in estrogen receptors that when you start to have a decrease in your estrogen, over time, your girl is going to start screaming at you. And she does it with, you know, dryness, itching, irritation. Um, That area is rich in estrogen receptors, testosterone, hello, Women make and need and love testosterone and also progesterone receptors. And so I make the analogy to patients, two, two points. One, use it or lose it. And I don't mean that in like a flippant way. When you are having intercourse or even when you're just self-pleasure, you know, doing a little something with yourself, 
it brings attention to the area. It brings blood flow. It brings, um, it keeps your vaginal tissues engaged. It keeps you mentally engaged with your body. And that helps uh, women ward off some of those symptoms. Oh, I'm in good shape. The second, my my husband's okay. going to be so happy. He's going to love you after this episode. I mean, <laughs> he's going to send you I flowers. Mean, I I lo- I don't know. Like some people don't like the word masturbation. I think it's a cool. It's fine. Oh yeah, we wait, love but it. But I have a question then. Now I wait. Well, I got sidetracked by masturbation. Um, <laughs> so does that mean? Okay, does that follow then? If you're paying attention to that area and have a healthy sex life that menopause then is slowed down. Like you're going to have it later because your lady parts have all the attention already. So, you know, there was one study that hinted to that, but because it was limited, that's not my party line. That's not my party line. Like definitely. So there's two things I would say about not my party line, but using it does help you keep your, your female side engaged and in the party. Now I still have women who come in and they're like, I have sex three times a week. And I'm like, hello, who, who, okay, let me get my act together. Who the time? <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, Megan does. <laughs> um, you have sex three times a week. Oh, yeah, at least. I, I got it. I oh married a God. younger man. I think that that helps quite a bit. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> um, but changes still happen, right? Cause the hormones, the hormones start to decrease. And I make the analogy with them, like when we're in our twenties and thirties and experiencing intercourse, however you experience it, your vagina is like rocking on a thick old silly posturpedic, you know, mattress foam pillow top. That's some cushion. I right? love you. It's, I mean, that's what our vaginas look like. I look at some of these young girls and I'm like, oh Lord, I got to get And you look at together. vaginas all day. All day. <laughs> and they, you know, they're the, the, the little waves, the rugae are there. It's pink. It's juicy. Um, bless you, young child. <laughs> now for us with time, that lack of estrogen smooths out all of those wrinkles that we, you know, so good on your face, not on your vagina, not on your vagina. And so we end up getting a little thinner, thinner, thinner. And it's kind of like we're getting to like Ikea mattress, right? You can sleep on it. It's, it'll do the job, but is it as comfortable? And in a sexual sense, the answer is no. But is that like when you're 80 or is that like when you're 70? Like, when does that happen? No, no, it can happen much sooner Stop. than that. And everyone's Stop. different. But like, I don't I want an Ikea to, vagina. I don't, I don't want an Ikea, Ikea vagina either, which is why I love estrogen, which is why I love hormones. So my mom uh, did have breast cancer and it was after she had taken, like she was, she's always wondered, was there a connection with her taking estrogen supplements and the cancer? Like, did it bring it on? So is that a possibility? Like, is that she did not have breast cancer in her family history. So I don't think it was like not advised for her to take it, but she has always Mm -hmm. wondered. And I'm just Mm -hmm. curious if that is a concern. So, you know, most people don't have breast cancer in their family history until they have breast cancer. 
You know, that is that is one thing I try and get across to women, especially when they're resistant about getting their mammograms. Oh, I don't have a family history. I don't have a family. Yeah, none of us do until it's that one person. So um, that's one thing I would say about that, too. Um, There there is potentially a slight increased risk. The risk overall is extremely low for all the women that we do have on hormonal supplements. And I'm talking like birth control and and beyond. And it might also be actually related to the progesterone um, in the in the supplements, not always necessarily focused on the estrogen. And I was, so when my period lasted 14 days, if it went one more day, I was going to have to go on progesterone because that would have stopped it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we use our, the hormones that um, we use both estrogen and progesterone, we manipulate those to help, you know, address the issues that are at hand. So estrogen has its place and so does progesterone. And so if you're the right candidate for a particular hormone in conjunction with your doctor, these can be very safe for you. I gave myself a shot of progesterone in my ass for four months, twice when I was doing IVF. IVF, right? Yeah. 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 And, Mm -hmm. um, and luckily for me, I had no side effects. Like people, I've heard people complain about having side effects from all of the hormones. Um, Mm -hmm. I had zero. So IVF was a wonderful experience for me all around. And I have my two little boys from it. And, uh, I always, and I waved the flag for, well, obviously IVF isn't something you, cho- you know, you do it because you have to, to but right. I wave the flag for egg freezing all the time. If it's something that you're able to do, I know, you know, financially, it's a big commitment, but man, I mean, what a gift to give yourself what a gift. the mm-hmm. gift of, you know, viable eggs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do that. Do that. Yeah. I tell my young patients all the time because I don't, I'm, I try not to be that doctor who comes in and, you know, someone's 36 and I'm like, okay, ma'am, when are you having your baby? Like you get that from your mom, your family, society enough, but I do check in with them. Like, have you thought about these things? Um, one, I'm kind of shocked about how, how many people don't know about it. Um, two, I'm also really excited for the number of companies that are, are starting to offer it in order to retain their female talent. Like this is something that's important to us and companies are starting to recognize that. And so if it's available to you, I definitely praise egg freezing. And when is there a moment or an age where you really start to, is 36 the magic number where you would really give that, you know, deep consideration or younger? Everyone's different. I definitely think 36 is a good number. Um, It depends on also your evaluation. You know, fertility is one of these things that's like kind of sucky because it's not promised, right? It's like, it's such a crapshoot. And so I have young women who are like, wait, why is this not happening for me? You know, and then you're like, God damn it. Why was I on birth control for 15 years? All these years. Right. Like that's the worst. Exactly. And so it's fertility is one of those things that's really tricky. And so, you know, if you're, if you're able to do it, you know, 35 is better than 37 is better than 40. Gotcha. Um, Is fertility a predictor of perimenopause or menopause in any way, shape or form? So your periods can be, your periods can be. So, you know, if you 
had your period early or if you had your period late, that can have some implications about when you start um, your um, menopause. Fertility in particular, um, I see more related to cancers like ovarian, you reduce your risk of ovarian cancer, you reduce your risk of breast cancer. If you're but, fertile versus... Yes, if you have children as opposed to people who do not, if you um, have pregnancies and then, for example, even lactate after those pregnancies, those can, that can reduce your risk of both cancers. Um, but it, but again, everyone will eventually go through menopause, which is why we have to scream from the rooftops. This is a normal stage of life. Like, let's talk about it. And Jamie, like when you say moms need to be talking to their daughters about it, you know, we put up with our young kids going through like these crazy teenage years and we just accept that as a part of life. And then our kids look back at us and they're like, my mom's crazy. I don't know what's going on with her. <laughs> talk to your kids. You know, talk to definitely kids. say that. I mean, feel like think you're crazy, right? For sure. For sure. Well, yeah. that's, that's a big part of what we do on this show. And to be honest, is just to talk about this stuff. And like, I'm the first one, like, you know, cause my kind of career is as an influencer and an expert on wellness stuff. So my favorite campaigns to do are, you know, when brands reach out to me that are in the like incontinence space, or like I'm doing a whole media day next week. And two of the brands are, you know, one is like an anti-diarrheal and the other is um, like for hemorrhoids. Why? Because yeah. I cannot tell you how passionate mm -hmm. I feel about the fact that it is very, very powerful for people at home to see, you know, a young, cute girl on television owning the shit out of that and being like, yeah. no pun yeah. intended, but owning it and being like, Hey, guess what? I pushed two babies out. Hemorrhoids are a thing. Let's just get mm -hmm. over it. Not mm -hmm. a big deal. Let's talk about how we can be a little more comfortable and how, yeah. you know, I just think it's so important for me to be like, yeah, you know, I had two babies. I pee my pants when I run. It, but is, it and does pelvic floor and that kind of and incontinence have anything to do with menopause and perimenopause? Like, did your pelvic floor lose elasticity by virtue of, of going through menopause? Is that any connection? So it's all kind of interrelated. It's all kind of interrelated. And Jamie, thank you for saying that because I love telling the stories like to these young moms of like the times I peel myself and they're mortified. I'm like, okay, girl, keep living. Keep Just living. Get, <laughs> I'm like obsessed with like the thanks underwear, all of the yeah. like, uh, like I, just can't live without them now because otherwise it's like, oops, I sneezed, I laughed. Right. We're all in trouble. <laughs> yes. We're all yes. in trouble. Absolutely. And so that's why I tell them these stories because I want to normal, like if they think they're like, want to be cool doctor, you know, leaks on herself, it makes it okay. Like, okay, Dr. Phillips, fine, <laughs> whatever. But then I when it that. happens to them, they're like, remember when you told me, yes, welcome to the club. Welcome right. to the club. Um, but it's all getting back to your question. It's sort of all interrelated. And um, we see more pelvic floor dysfunction sort of just generally with age. Uh, women have had their babies. Women are gaining weight. There are chronic health conditions that can make your pelvic floor weaker. Um, asthma, you know, people who have who are chronically coughing. I have asthma. What? Well, the chronic cough, the constipation, all of that 
and there's other conditions, but it can contribute to pelvic floor dysfunction. And then here comes menopause, you know? And so the lack of estrogen then on the structures, yes, can also kind of compound incontinence. And so it's not a necessary, it's not really like a one plus one equals two, but it's really multifactorial. And so that's why we don't want to take this conversation for granted and include everyone because my jam might not be the constipation story. It's the, um, you know, chronic cough story. But at the end of the day, we're both having pelvic floor dysfunction that needs to be addressed. And we're in our forties and, you know, some women who are having pelvic floor dysfunction, especially as it relates to urinary issues, I give them a little estrogen and they're like, Hey, now I don't need to know where every bathroom them in the mall is I can hold it and, and do better so it's all it's all interrelated and multifactorial absolutely interesting you know pelvic floor issues I feel like are definitely another thing that we don't talk about especially in this country like I feel like it's much more normalized in other countries women yeah, I've absolutely. heard that women go for a pelvic floor physical therapy quite commonly after having babies in after, other countries mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, in this country it is very hard um, it's often not covered by insurance I had to go is very expensive, but also it's another thing we don't talk about as a society, as women. So when I went, I've been to physical therapy before. So that's what I thought I was going for. And all of a sudden I was like, hello, <laughs> you know, you're naked from the waist down there. There's, you know, they're very, um, there are tools, shall we say, right. Yes, when you do public PT, which is fine. It's what I needed, but I had no idea. I didn't know what I was yeah. signing up for because right. again, it's something that we don't talk about very much. Yeah, my French patients, it's it's absolutely part of their health and wellness in France and their return to normalcy is the French women go to pelvic floor therapy after they've had a delivery. And it doesn't matter if it's vaginal or C-section. And actually, it's funny, last night, one of my French patients is like, I'm pregnant again, coming to see you. And I'm like, let me find her physical therapist because- it is so ingrained in their sense of well-being, you know, the ability to control your pelvic floor after having a baby, that it it helps you return to your normal self and is so important. And even for young women, um, I saw a woman today who's struggling with penetration and it's a pelvic floor issue. And she literally said it broke my heart. She's like, I feel like I'm failing as a woman because she can't have penetration. And we need to share these stories there. These are human stories. And in talking about peeing, pooping, uh, passing gas, menopause, it just normalizes everything that all of us are going through. Amen. On that <sighs> note of peeing and pooping and passing oh gas. I needed this. Thank you, Camila. Is there anything else that you that you need to ask before we No, move? I I, w- I have to admit this was this was my whole asking for a friend who is me. Right. episode. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I I love it. And thank you for coming on and helping us normalize the stuff that is normal. We appreciate Fully you normal. so much. We always wrap up the show by doing a quick, we have two quick little segments. The first one is a lightning round. I'm going to ask you three questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Scared of these. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty easy, but, but okay. put on your thinking cap. Okay. Okay. Number one, morning or evening workout. What do you prefer? 
Ah, evening. Oh, evening. see, that's not a popular yeah, I, answer. That's not but a popular I, I answer. Find it interesting. You know, I'm an OBGYN. Let me tell you, I hate getting up in the morning. Don't bother me in the morning. When I have morning deliveries, I was like, this baby better. <laughs> <laughs> This baby better. No, I'm not a morning person. Um, I love evening workouts, like to sweat and then take a hot shower. I pass out. I sleep like a baby. Oh, I love that. So what is, uh, this is question number two. What is your favorite kind of workout? (sighs) Five years ago, I would have said sex. Now. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) I like me some Camila. Three kids in, three kids in. Um, You know what? I like high intensity. Um, but I, uh, to our point, I always pee ahead of time. Cause I'll invariably like leak all over myself. Amen. Oh my God. I like I'm, high intensity. Yeah. Literally. I used to do a trampoline class, a little bounce <gasps> class. Oh so fun. But let me tell you that ship has sailed. I just can't, I literally, <laughs> can't I can't do it. Do it. I can't yeah. do it anymore. <laughs> um, okay. Last coffee, tea, or matcha tea, chai Ooh. tea in particular, chai Love tea. That. That's my jam. I'm- I'm sipping my my mm. apple cinnamon right now. It's delightful. I know. I am too. I have a uh, a be well, live well, something anti-COVID tea. Yeah. <laughs> anti-COVID tea, elderberry, oh, anti-COVID everything. All anti-COVID. the things. Okay, All so the things. last thing we do, which normally is Heidi, our yogi's job, is karma call. And mm-hmm. she will tell us that karma is a Sanskrit word for action. And we love our guests to leave us with one action step. that something little that you could do that could have a big impact. You know, I would encourage people to find the flaw that they have on their body and just sit and stare at it and think about how that like part of your body has blessed you and has helped you in your day-to-day in your, you know, journey of life, whatever it is. And just say, thank you. Thank you. Mm. Um, Mine is often my, my belly and my stretch marks. Like I get so, I get so worked up about them and I'm like, you know what? I only have them because I have three munchkins. And when I walk in the door, they scream money and I feel like a queen. And so, um, I look at my stomach sometime and I'm like, you know, gee, thanks. <laughs> and then I keep my day moving because I'm proud of Absolutely beautiful. I was really gorgeous. Can you just tell us before we wrap up, what are your kids' names and how old? I have Riley, who's six. She turned seven this month and is like, oh my gosh, in my pocket so deep for these damn OMG dolls. So I have Riley. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're making like LOL sneakers I just saw today. Puma is making the LOL sneakers. Oh, I've dropped a lot of money on this like plastic crap and I do it because I do it, yep, you know, yep. um, Emery is five. She's my firecracker and like the funniest little girl ever. And then I have Mark Charles, who is two, also turning three and becoming a three-nager and um, <laughs> three-nager. Do you call yeah. him MC? You know, I call him Marky Mark and my husband hates <laughs> it because he, it makes him think of the funky bunch. And I was like, you should have thought about that before you named him Mark. <laughs> so 
<laughs> and he's learning to potty train and found his penis. And um, oh, that's, that's it. Always, thing. That's always interesting. Yep. That's yeah, it's the beginning of the end with boys, right? It's, it's downhill fun. from the day they find their penis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you so much for being here. I absolutely love this. Megan, I know you did too. Yes. This was a great one. So uh, you guys can follow Dr. Camila at, tell us your handle again. Dr. Camila says. Fabulous. I just and found you. Subscribe yeah. to this show so you never miss an episode. We are available everywhere podcasts are consumed. And don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off the Gram Podcast. We'll see you next time. Yay. Yay.